listening to The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. Welcome to another episode of the Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. I'm your host, Troy, and don't forget to hit that notification bell so you stay updated with all of our latest episodes. This is the post-game show for the Minnesota Timberwolves against the New York Knicks, where we saw the New York Knicks beat down the Minnesota Timberwolves. Knicks won this one 120 to 107, and it was a 3 point barrage of a first half the Knicks had a tidal wave of threes in the first it's like they couldn't miss the first quarter alone the first quarter the New York Knicks hit 10 three-pointers 10 out of 19 that's a record for threes made in a quarter for the Knicks it was insane leading the way for those threes was actually Julius Randle, who tied his career high of 8 of 13. 8 of 13 three-pointers made. We had some key contributors tonight, some keys to winning that we saw and why we won this game. Obviously, we're going to talk about Julius Randle. I want to touch on R.J. Barrett because I felt like he had a really, really good game, and he's been having these really good games for the past few games. So I want to speak about him a little bit. And then obviously I want to preview the Nets-Knicks matchup for this Wednesday coming up because I think that's going to be a very tough one, even though the Nets are not going to have Kyrie Irving. So uh, a lot to discuss today, but I think we have to start it like we always do with the stats of the game. If we're looking at the quarters here, the Knicks and Wolves had a balanced scoring threat of an average of 28 to 35 points for the Knicks in terms of what they were giving per quarter. But here's the stat that stands out to me, and it still stands out to me. The fourth quarter, which if you saw the game, and Thibodeau even mentioned it in his uh, post game, and I think, you know, this is something that I've been seeing, again, for quite some time, I've mentioned it, is the way we close out certain quarters. It seems to me that every second half, whether it be the third quarter or the fourth quarter, there is some type of collapse that happens that allows the other team to get into it. And we don't seem to put up much or any of a fight. The fourth quarter against the Wolves, even though we won the game, and I'm very happy we won the game. But again, post game means you look at the entire game. The Knicks only scored 17 points in the fourth. Minnesota scored 27 points in the fourth quarter. So Minnesota's scoring was consistent throughout each quarter. They still lost, but their scoring was consistent. The Knicks, first, second, third quarters were pretty consistent in terms of scoring. And then you get to the fourth, and you see that 17-point performance as a team. It's a trend of bad quarters. It's a trend of teams getting back into it. And if we were not up by more, who's to say that the Timberwolves may have not gotten back into the game, got more confidence and closed the game. We don't know that. Lucky that we were up plus 20 basically the entire game uh, once middle of the second half took into effect. But it was not a great quarter to look at. That was very bad basketball being played, very sloppy basketball being played. 
to start the fourth and even in toward the middle of the fourth. So we have to do a better job of cleaning up these quarters and making sure that our scoring is balanced and efficient each and every quarter, not just two or three quarters out of the game. You're not going to win like that. Or at least you're not going to win a lot of games like that unless you blow the team out by 20 plus points, which is what we did here. But normally the Knicks are not blowing teams out by 20. You're up by what, maybe 10, 15. They could erase a lead just like that. You have to be able to do this each and every quarter, not just three or two quarters out of the game because it's not going to work. But still, the Knicks got the W. I'm very happy about that. And even though they had a little bit of a collapse in the fourth, they still kept it strong, held on to the lead, and delivered as, as they needed to. So, again, very happy the Knicks got the W there. If we're looking into just game stats alone, uh, from the field goal, uh, the Knicks were 39 out of 89, um, and the Timberwolves were 38 out of 81. The New York Knicks shot 19 for 48 uh, threes for a 40% mark, and the Wolves shot 11 for 41 for a 27 three-point percentage mark. So one of the keys to the games, one of the reasons we won this game, is because not only did we take threes, not only did we make threes, but we also prevented the other team from making threes. So you want to ask me, how is it possible that the Knicks won this game? One of the keys to why they won this game was because of what they did on the three-point line, not only in terms of making them, because they were 40%, uh, 19 of 48, but they also helped prevent the other team from making those three-point shots. Now, I'm not saying the Timberwolves were not completely open for some of these threes. They were. And had they gone down, the game might have been closer. That's a fact. That's still an issue. Still have to clean it up. The perimeter defense is just not where it is. Even Tom Thibodeau has admitted at this point that it needs to be better. And I 100% agree. It needs to be better. But what happened tonight is the team, the Timberwolves, had open threes that they missed, but also had contested threes and three-pointers that they were challenged on that they missed. That's the difference in this game. That's what you didn't see against the record-breaking performance the Boston Celtics put on when they made 27 threes against us last game. Yeah, if you can't tell, I'm still pissed off about that. But that's one of the keys to winning. It may sound simple. It may sound stupid. But if you make your threes and prevent the other team from making their threes, you give your team the best chance to win this game. And I thought that's what the Knicks did. They finally were able to control the perimeter, not only on how they shot, because they shot a lot more open looks because of good ball movement, but they also were able to prevent the other team from getting back in the game because they stopped what would have been a comeback from the Wolves had you let them shoot whatever they wanted from three. So that was a huge stat that I was looking at, and I'm glad that the Knicks are recognizing this and getting better at this. In the free throw territory, the Knicks shot 92%, 23 from 25, and the T-Wolves shot 20 of 24 for a percentage total of 83%. So another great thing was we were able to control our destiny in this way because we didn't allow the free throws to kill us. We made basically all of them. We were very efficient, and the other team was not. And thankfully, we were able to get that W because we were able to make our free throws and make it harder on the other team, which, again, is all you really need 
to put a cog in this machine to try to get a win when it may not be guaranteed that you're supposed to get that win. You have to do these things in order to achieve victory. And I thought the Knicks did very, very well in that regard. Uh, turnovers were pretty even. The Knicks had 16, the Wolves had 17. Though I do want to say that the Knicks were more offensively minded on the Wolves' turnovers, and we were able to score more off of their turnovers. The Wolves were not able to score as much off of our turnovers. So that was a huge thing as well, too. We may have matched them in turnovers, but the impact of the turnover, I felt like the Knicks had way, way bigger of an impact um, in terms of what the Wolves did with the, the turnovers that we made. So um, that was a huge aspect as well, too. Rebounds, we were uh, 43 to the Wolves 39, and offensively, we were uh, nine rebounds above um, the Minnesota Timberwolves on the offensive glass. So that was pretty impressive as well, too, because I didn't think that we were going to be able to close or kill on the glass, not when we were you know, only going to have Isaiah Hartenstein and Sims, and they had Carl Anthony Towns. So I thought that the glass was going to be a lot more in favor of the Wolves. Surprisingly, it was pretty even in terms of rebounding. The Knicks were a little bit better. And the Knicks did better on the offensive glass, which I didn't think was going to happen. But we were able to do that. The T-Wolves play big. So they usually have their towers of Gobert and Towns in there. And normally they kill on the um, offensive rebounding board. However, this time around, they weren't able to do that as much. Um, only not only because Gobert is out due to COVID protocols, but Towns and Towns had a pretty efficient game, was pretty quiet among all fronts. He had a good game, don't get me wrong. You know, great number of assists, great number of rebounds, and get 13 rebounds. Um, and again, great amount of scoring from Towns, but it was quiet because his team was basically down the entire time he did that. None of his scoring helped impact the game to help them win or get beyond the hump. So we were able to control Towns, control the paint, uh, clear the boards and, you know, come out as a positive on the boards to the Wolves, which if you do that and you make your threes, you're going to win the game. So made our threes, made our free throws and controlled the offensive glass and the boards. You do those three things. Those are your keys to success right there. That's why they won the game. That's why most teams in the NBA today will win the game if they just do this, if they do these things and do it effectively and efficiently. And that's what you saw the Knicks did. And the Knicks defense, especially for that first half, was incredible. They were playing man-on-man defense for a lot of them. They were helping when necessary. They were communicating. The defense from the Knicks in the first half legitimately was some of the best defense I've seen the Knicks play especially how they defended the perimeter. So I like that. Second half, they cooled off a little bit from three, and they also cooled off a little bit on defense. And that's when you saw the Wolves try a little bit to get back into it. But it kept being stopped because, thankfully, the Knicks had a lot of people to look to. Barrett, Brunson, Randall, Obi, Reddish, to get a bucket when we needed a bucket. A lot of people had their number yesterday, and... They were willing and able to make shots, make drives, make the right pass. When you do those things as a team, when you pass as well as you do as a team, I mean, the assists, that's 26 assists as a team for the Knicks. That's a great number. You want to be over 25 or 26 assists a night. If you're hitting that number consistently and effectively and the ball movement makes sense, absolutely, that's what you want to see. And that's not going to help you win games. 
That's how you win games in the NBA. You move the ball, you make your threes, you make your free throws, you play defense, and you give effort. You try. You communicate. And if you are a star or would-be star, you take that leadership role and you make your team play, even if the game's out of reach, even if they don't want to, whatever the case may be. I liked a lot of things that I saw from the Knicks last night. I don't really have a lot of bad to say besides when you score 17 points in the fourth quarter and you allow another team to score 27 points in that same quarter, I'm absolutely going to say that it was a collapse of a quarter. For me, that was a collapse of a quarter. We need to do better than that. We need to be more efficient than that because if we're not, again, the game could get away from us. And if this lead was not as big, I think that fourth quarter collapse could have really hurt us. We have to do better and we have to play efficiently and effectively for four quarters. But I think it's time to talk about some players. I want to talk about Julius Randle. My man, Julius. Oh, my goodness. Now, listen, there's a lot of negatives you could say about Julius Randle. I'll get into some of those. But let me just start with the positives, please, because everybody's been getting negative at him. Let me just be some give some positivity here. All right. Julius Randle went off. His stat line for tonight, 33 minutes, 31 points, eight rebounds, three assists, nine of 15 from the field gold. Get this stat, a career high tying, eight of 13 made threes. Julius Randle, by the way, was also a uh, plus four on the plus minus. Julius Randle was unstoppable from three. It's like he couldn't miss. And some nights, Julius Randle is going to have it like that, where he's hot, he's on fire, and he's open. And on those nights, Julius, take it, bro. Take it. Now, let's let's stop for a second and talk about a few things before we just keep on praising Heap. Julius Randle, before this game, was shooting around 20-ish percent from three. Let's just get that right. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's what his shooting percentage was. He was atrocious from three. There were some games that his three wasn't falling, and he stopped shooting them. I like that. He knew it wasn't his night. He knew it wasn't going in, so he just attacked more and still was able to be effective. That's what you need to do, Julius. Julius Randle absolutely was on a fire. From the get-go, he was on fire. So was I mad about him shooting it throughout the game? No. He was open, he was on fire, and he was making them. Of course, I'm not mad. There are a few things to pick up with Julius Randle. We have a win, right? The Knicks won this game. Julius Randle probably played his best half of the season thus far, and you could potentially make the argument that this was Julius Randle's best game of the season. But even with that, even if I were to agree and tell you that this was his best game in terms of, you know, shooting and whatever the case may be, his defense at times was a little porous. He played defense to an extent. He was running towards shooters to an extent, but there were times underneath that when he felt he got contact or he felt he got hit, he looked at the referee, even though the play was still going on, and let you know Kyle Anderson beat him underneath because he was upset, because he didn't get the call, because he was looking to the ref. He does that. 
And he does that every so often in every game. And sometimes it may cost us a point. It may cost us, you know, it may give the other team a technical, may give the other team, you know, two extra shots. It's not conducive to winning. Julius, listen, man, I know that you are an energy player. When things are going well, you'll play well on both sides. When things are not playing well, you won't. And that's just what I've seen from you. You have to keep your defensive intensity up there, whether the calls are going your way, whether the offense is going your way, whether, you know, the calls are going fairly both ways, which sometimes they're not. You have to keep yourself under control. Realize that you are a leader for this team. Realize that the team is going to look to you to understand what they should do, how they should act, and what demeanor they should have. Given all those things, you owe yourself and the team a responsibility to keep your head under control, keep your emotions in check, and make sure you continue to make the right plays. Because we've seen it. Tonight. We saw it. Julius, when you're on, you are on. You are efficient. You are one of the best power forwards in the league when you're focused, committed, and on. But if you continue to do these small little things that make people talk about that versus your game, they're not going to be able to see it. Leadership is not only what you can do scoring the ball and defending the ball. It's how you keep your emotions in check. Keep your poise even when you're up or down and making sure the team understands that the goal at the end of the day is to win. And it's about team basketball. So if Julius does that, Moving forward and cleans those things up, I think he could make a case for another all-star campaign this year. That's how much belief I have in Julius Randle. Bravo to Julius Randle. What a huge bright spot yesterday. Loved what I saw from him. Offensively deadly yesterday. The Wolves didn't even stand a chance. When Randle is operating on that level, I don't think any team can stop us. Randle was on point. Another player who was on point that I've been giving a huge amount of uh, blowback to that I have not let go of that I've just been on talking about him angry with him RJ Barrett I did not like what I've seen from RJ Barrett in the first few games that Knicks have played and that's a fact RJ Barrett has not looked efficient has not looked impactful and in my opinion didn't really do much in any game really besides maybe the Detroit game to break open the game for us or to make us better in any way the good news here is that the Knicks have realized who their top three scorers are going to be. Because consistently now, for the last few games, these have been the top scorers. Randall, Brunson, and RJ. So moving forward, your top three scorers of the team are going to be Brunson, Randall, and RJ. Other people are going to get some time. Other people are going to get their shots. Sometimes Cam will be in there. Sometimes Toppin will be in there. Sometimes Rose will be in there. It depends. But primarily, that's going to be your top three scoring threat. With that in mind, looking at R.J. Barrett's stat line yesterday, he played 37 minutes yesterday, the most minutes played on the team, okay? 22 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 7 of 18 from the field. So, again, a little bit better with his efficiency, but 10 of 18, 11 of 18, if he's there, I'm loving it. So, he has to get his efficiency for shooting up just a little bit, but he's on the cusp. He's on the cusp. For three-pointers, he made three of seven. So his three-point percentage has gotten up and his efficiency has gone up because he's taking better shots. He's taking more open shots. He's taking clearer shots. That's going to get your efficiency up, folks. When you take shots that are open, 
you're likely going to make them. And when you make them, your efficiency goes up. So it's a little bit basic math, but we get that. Loved what I saw from RJ on that end. Free throws, five of six free throws. Again, we've been talking about it all season, but RJ Barrett's free throw percentage and the way he's looked at the free throw line, all better from last year. That is the one thing I will actually agree with, that anybody comes to me and says, well, RJ Barrett's better from three throws. You're right. From the line, a fit... <clears throat> You're right. From the line, effectively and efficiently, R.J. Barrett's better than he was last year, the year before that. Any year he's been in the league, actually, from the line. This is huge. And especially that he's attacking the basket more, he's going to get calls. And when you get those calls, you're going to go to the line. When you go to the line, got to make those freebies. And he's been doing that consistently. So I like what I'm seeing from R.J. Barrett from the line. R.J. Barrett tonight was also a plus minus of a four. Same thing as Julius Randle. I thought R.J. Barrett had a great first half. Um, R.J. Barrett didn't really force anything. And I think R.J. Barrett was very effective tonight. I thought the threes that he made were very, very clutch threes. And they mattered. The threes he made in the third. Clutch. Why? The Wolves were on a run. And what those threes do are momentum breakers. Bah! Shut it down. Boom. Shut it down. When you make those threes, you take away another team's passion to play or passion to continue the run because they're down by so much. Those are momentum-breaking threes. That's why they mattered so much. R.J. Barrett did those during the times that it mattered. So I loved the threes that he made. I loved his shot selection. I thought it was more effective and efficient. So for me, R.J. Barrett has been getting better and better and better each and every game. For the last few games, he's shooting about 53% from the field. I know it's not his total average right now, but it's a trend in the right direction. And if you know me, I don't look at a game. I look at multiple games. I don't look at a quarter. I look at multiple quarters. I look for a trend, a theme of things that's either going to scare me, make me happy, or help me understand something. So I'm seeing a trend of collapsible quarters. I mention it. I'm also now seeing a trend of R.J. Barrett sneakily, but effectively getting better and better and better each and every game, getting more effective each and every game, taking better shots each and every game, playing a little bit better defense each and every game. When R.J. Barrett is locked in and committed on both ends of the floor, he is a problem legitimately a problem and what we've been seeing over the last few games is his problematic behavior for the other team because he is getting inside he is making outside shots he's pulling up he's finding people as he's penetrating doing all the things that i wanted him to do i will continue to say that please oh god when you get into the paint don't just throw it up to the glass like you always do like it's it's just a no, you're going to do it. Everybody knows you're doing it. You have to put some fakes in there. You're doing more passing and playmaking inside when you penetrate. That's good. You keep the defense guessing. Another way to do that is put in some fakes in there, some pump fakes, a Euro step, something. Do something else that's different in the paint. Because if you do that, you'll probably finish more at the paint, go to the line more, which will increase your scoring numbers more, which will probably put you at 25 points easy on average, for the for the entire season. 
if you do this for the entire season. So RJ Barrett gave me a lot of things to be hopeful with. I am so happy from what I've been seeing from RJ from the last few games. I hope it continues. And I think if he can increase the production and keep it consistent each and every game, he could also make a bid for all-star honors. Whether he gets it or not, I don't know. But this is the trajectory that we're seeing. And this is the trend that I'm seeing. RJ Barrett, bra fucking vo. Impressing me these last few games after the dud of the starts that you've been showing us, after the games you've been showing us, the, the lack of an offense that we've been seeing, your defense being porous. Seeing that and then seeing the RJ that we saw the last few games, especially against the Wolves yesterday. Bravo, RJ. Very happy, very proud, and I hope this continues because I think you got all the tools, young man, to not only be successful in this league, but to be an all-star. Can't wait to see it. Here are the keys to the game. The reason that we won the game, and we talked about it earlier, was we defended the three well, and we also made ours. Turnovers. Well, we did have 16. We didn't let this other team score off of our turnovers. We were able to score off of the Timberwolves turnovers. And then lastly, free throws. The reason we won this game is because we got to the line and we hit our shots. And conversely, the Timberwolves got to the line less and converted on less of their shots. So in that regard, when you do well in those three categories, you're going to give yourself the best chance to win. Add on top of that defense and committed defense at that, as well as assist and together play. That's a recipe for success. That's a recipe for winning. Those are the keys to the game. You do that every game, you're going to give your shot. You do that every game, you're going to give yourself the best chance to win. Bravo, Knicks. Bravo as a team and, you know, as players, bravo as well, too. Now, I wouldn't be me if I didn't bring up one issue that I saw. So I will. I don't know. Switching. Defensive switching. Okay. I'm just going to make a note of it. I don't want to go into a whole diatribe on it. Why the hell is Jalen Brunson switching to freaking taller people? He switched to uh, Kyle Anderson yesterday night against the Wolves. At one point, he was on Towns. And Towns couldn't convert against Brunson, which was very weird. Because... It's Jalen Brunson. He's 6'1", and, you know, Towns is nearly seven foot. So shooting over him wouldn't be a problem. So I have no idea why Towns didn't take advantage of that matchup. But that is not smart switching. I'm sorry, but I'm not trying to switch R.J. Barrett, who's guarding Kyle Anderson, with Jalen Brunson, who now will have to guard Kyle Anderson, who has about six inches above him, or Towns, who has about 10 inches above him. It's kind of ridiculous, and I don't know why that's happening. Can somebody explain it to me? I don't like that Brunson is switching on these larger players because it's going to give the other team an advantage that they don't need, and they're either going to be able to take him off the dribble, shoot over him, or get him into the paint and still shoot over him. That's a problem. If you're going to make switches like that, then you're going to have to send help. And if you do that, one of the wings are going to be open. One of the corners are going to be open. I don't like Brunson switching 
on these taller guys. And I also don't like that he doesn't get any help when that happens. Because obviously they're, they're fearful of the corners. They don't want to leave the corners open. But at the same time, if you let Brunson switch on the Towns, you created another problem because Towns will be able to take him all the way. And normally he should be able to do that. Again, I don't know why Towns wasn't able to when he was uh, on Brunson. But I thought Towns could have had a way more effective game if he took advantage of those matchups because Brunson was switching on smaller guys for a while. And if the Wolves noticed it, they should have just kept passing to the person that Brunson was on. They might have been able to score easier. Listen, it's a problem. I don't like it. How could anybody like this type of play? I don't like that Jalen Brunson switches on all these tall-ass people. That's it. Now, let's go into the uh, Nets versus Knicks game. That's going to be this Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, that's going to be at Barclay. Kevin Durant is going to be there. Kyrie Irving, Kai Kai, is not going to be there. He is still um, under suspension for his uh, anti-Semitic sharing of a documentary and on his social platforms. Uh, so he's still making an apology tour, if I'm not mistaken. He has conditions to meet if I'm not mistaken, um, and a lot of things on those conditions list. I didn't see all of them, but there's, uh, I think, a list of six things he has to do before he can be welcomed back by the team to play. And if you know Kyrie Irving, I think it's going to be a challenge for him to do those six things. So will he ever suit up for Brooklyn again? I don't know. And to be honest, I don't care. <laughs> That's a Brooklyn Nets situation. Let those guys, you know go off and you know be by themselves and do whatever and you know break up or whatever i don't care i don't like the nets i never like the nets i hate the nets we clear on that cool all right however even though they don't got kyrie irving they still got a squad in brooklyn they still got a squad they got harris they got claxton they got kevin durant the best scorer in the league they got patty mills they got Seth Curry. They got Royce O'Neal. Their team is solid. Don't get it wrong. Their team is very, very strong. Don't get it wrong. This Nets team is not somebody to be overlooked. Don't get it wrong. Listen, the Nets right now have a losing record. Okay? I think they won four games on the season. They lost last night to the... Dallas Mavericks and that was off of a key missed free throw from Kevin Durant Kevin Durant wasn't the only reason they lost the game but it was pretty funny to watch Kevin Durant somebody who's made I think 64 consecutive free throws miss the one that matters the most when it matters the most with the game on the line so pretty odd for me anyways to see Kevin Durant miss a free throw that could have potentially won them the game or tied the game to get them into overtime on the season the knicks are five and five at 500 and on the season the nets are four and seven the nets right now given chemistry issues player issues political issues has a bit of team at uh, <clears throat> All of those things are causing team issues, chemistry issues, all sorts of issues, maybe even locker room issues. I don't know. But it seems 
that those type of things will affect certain people and certain players while they're playing the game in some form or fashion. Going up against a Nets team with Kevin Durant is still deadly because Kevin Durant alone almost got the Nets over the Bucks. One toe on the line is what prevented that. But had that not been the case, we could have been talking about a whole different thing in Brooklyn right now. But for now, Kevin Durant is one of the best players in the league. One of the best scorers in the league. And playing his Nets team is going to be extremely difficult. This team is not easy. It's not going to be a walk in the park type of game. And we have to come in to play and be focused. Because if we don't, we're going to lose this game. And I don't want to lose this game to Kevin Durant and his Nets. This is a winnable game. Come in, lock in, stay focused, control KD as best as you can. Stop KD as best as you can. Let somebody else on the team from the Nets beat you other than Kevin Durant. If you can do that as a Knicks team, you'll give yourself the best chance to beat this Brooklyn Nets team before you go off to play the Detroit uh, Pistons on Friday. So the Nets are not going to be a walk in the park. We're going to have to come focused to play them. But I do think the Knicks can win this one, will win this one. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that they don't have their masterclass all-star point guard in Kyrie Irving. Say what you want to say about Kyrie Irving, the man, the human being. I get that. For the most part, I probably agree with some of you. But as a basketball player, he is a savant, a magician, a masterclass. The fact that he's not playing and it's only KD really that we got to focus on and worry about. That's another big reason why the Knicks have an opportunity to win this game. They need to seize that opportunity, win this game, and then move forward with their season with that same energy and mindset that they can win each and every game that they play when they're on, they're focused, and they're doing the right things that is conducive to winning. That's going to do it for us here today, guys. I appreciate you guys rocking and rolling with me here on the post-game show for the Knicks and Timberwolves. Again, final score, Knicks 120, Timberwolves 107. New York Knicks dominates, beat down, demolished the Timberwolves, especially from three during this game. It was such a great game to watch. As a Knicks fan, we got the W, so I'm happy about that. And let's see what happens against the Brooklyn Nets this Wednesday but hopefully we can get another win. But until next time, Nick fans, don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us. Peace. Listen to new episodes of The Knicks Recap, streaming every Friday. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.